Space. The Final Frontier. These are the voyages of the podcast setting the skein. It's one-year mission. To explore strange new films. To seek out new works and new creative endeavors. To boldly go where so many other podcasts have gone before. to a very special episode of Setting the Skein. I'm Ben. I'm Doug. I'm Elijah, and I'm glad I got to hear Doug do that. Twice. And Tristan, where the heck are you? Tristan said he did not have a single free night this week, and, well, he missed out, because we're doing Star Trek this week. Yeah, we are, baby! And Doug is a very ah, happy boy. I'm so excited! Specifically, like, uh, I'm so excited. Just like Ben was when we talked about Star Wars, and just like I will be when we talk about Lord of the Rings. Right, Doug? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We all have our things that we're obsessed yeah. with. Just like Tristan was when we watched There Will Be Blood. Mm-hmm. And then we immediately ripped that movie apart. Uh, um, anyway, uh, this week, uh, we, watched, we watched Star Trek. More specifically, we watched Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Yeah, we did. Doug, tell me about the movie. All right, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Uh, The second Star Trek uh, motion picture to be released came out in 1982, directed by Nicholas Meyer, starring William Shatner, Ricardo Montalban, Leonard Nimoy, DeForest Kelly, Kirstie Alley, Walter uh, Koenig, James Duhon, uh, Nichelle Nichols, uh, George Takei. I'm trying to think if I'm forgetting anyone. I think that's mostly everyone. Um, this movie is freaking amazing. Uh, that's a personal anecdote. That's nothing to do with, like, the actual, uh, facts of the film. Um, budget for this movie was about $11.2 million. This sucker grossed, in 1982, $78.9 million. Uh, currently holds a... Currently holds an 87% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 7.7 out of 10 on IMDb, a 4 out of 5 on Common Sense Media. Again, I have issues with them. Uh, and 92% on Google. And so this is semi-related, uh, but I do kind of want to talk about this real quick. I think it's interesting that Common Sense Media uh, gives us a 4 out of 5, given that uh, like the whole premise behind the Genesis Project kind of feels like playing God. Which I don't feel like Common Sense would really get on board with. It does, but also you have to look at the fact that this is all based off of Star Trek, which was like the family show in the 60s. I mean, you're not Um, wrong. I I mean, yeah, I mean, it it goes either way. Uh, but, uh, But yeah, also, this is the film which is widely regarded uh, as as arguably the best Star Trek film ever made. Uh, There's a couple that are up there, but by and large, I think most people agree that this is the best one. 
I don't personally agree with that, but it's whatever. My opinion doesn't matter. Um, boys, have you seen this movie before? No. No. All right. I'm not very familiar with Star Trek, but I did see the new movies, and when you said we were watching The Wrath of Khan, I thought you were describing a movie I have seen, which was Into Darkness. And then we yep. started it, and I was like, oh, no, this is the old one. <laughs> yes it is all right now i have seen this movie before several times i own a lot of copies of this movie um uh i yeah that's not important i just star trek movies Why? are like one of the few i don't know i just star trek movies are really easy to come by copies of dvds of star trek and copies of vhs's of star trek are really easy to come by so i just have a lot of copies of it um that's not important, though. So let me take it back to 2009, folks, because a little fellow by the name of J.J. Uh, Abrams released a uh, released a movie called Star Trek, starring Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto, um, and a very young uh, Doug Gooden. Let's see, that was 2009. That was 12 years ago. I was 10 years old. Um, and a young boy, a, a young man Doug. by the name of Doug Gooden. Yep. Um, and Doug was at the beach with his grandfather, Earl Dunman, and Doug and Earl went to see Star Trek, and that movie started a whole new chapter in Doug Gunn's life. Because as soon as I left that movie theater, I was obsessed with Star Trek. Um, I have seen this movie so many freaking times. I love Star Trek. Look, I think I talked about this on our old episodes of Star that we talked about with Star Wars. I love Star Wars grew up with star wars but i am by far a bigger fan of star trek than i am a fan of star wars i look trekkies are weird trekkies are an interesting group but i do love being a trekkie man i do love being a trekkie you know this was always one of those particular fandoms that i always felt like i could have gotten into but i just never did yeah i'm in that same boat honestly i think i could still get into it uh, and it's like one of those like it's one of those things I'd like to do, um, but I don't know that I'm in a massive hurry to do it. Though I will say, watching this made me a lot more interested in doing it. I'll also say, talking about the Trekkie fandom for just a second, is I've all it's always been my opinion that though Trekkies are like the stereotypical like that's the fandom that's obsessive, that's crazy, da 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 da. I also feel like Trekkies are a much more accepting fandom than other groups, namely Star Wars fans. Because <laughs> any person on the street, if you're a Star Wars fan, any person on the street, if they say, I've never seen Star Wars, a Star Wars fan's immediate reaction is, what? How could you do that? Like, what What was wrong with your childhood? Da-da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, if a Trekkie happens to meet you on the side of the street and you're like, I've never seen Star Trek, they're like, oh my gosh, like, you, they they meet you with very open arms. They're like, oh, well, you can still watch it. There's so much. Mm-hmm. There is so much Star Trek content to take mm-hmm. in. Which is um, absolutely something that intrigues me. Because right now I'm going through yeah. all of the Marvel content right now. Uh, I'm fixing to start Jessica Jones season one, and like I'm maybe halfway through it. Like, halfway mm-hmm. through all of the Marvel content that exists currently. And it it's a lot between the yeah. TV shows and the movies. Well, okay, so with Star Trek, so you have... 
So you have Star Trek the original series, which ran for three seasons. You have Star Trek the animated series, which had the entire cast, uh, not the entire cast, had the main cast um, of the uh, of the original series that ran for one season. Uh, you have Star Trek The Next Generation, which ran for seven seasons. You have Star Trek Deep Space Nine and Star Trek Voyager, which overlapped a lot, but both ran for uh, seven seasons, um, I think, actually. Let me um, let me check on that real quick. Uh, yep, okay, they both ran for seven seasons. Uh, you have Star Trek Enterprise, which I have no idea how many seasons it ran for. Um, you have Star Trek... Discovery, which has been running since 2017. You have Star Trek Picard. Now you have Star Trek Lower Decks, which is a new animated series. There's a new Star Trek series, which is a reboot of the original series that's about to be coming out. There is so much Star Trek. And on top of that, you also have six original series movies, four Next Generation movies, three J.J. Abrams Kelvinverse movies. I mean, y'all... If There's you want lot. to get into Star Trek, there is literally something for everyone. There's Star Trek Go, Star Trek Friendship is Magic. Star um, Trek Crossings, New Horizons. Yeah. <laughs> and much like um, much like Star Wars, there is a plethora of Star Trek novels. Um, some of which were actually written by uh, old cast members, which is really cool. Star Trek Episode Five: um, The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> I wish, because Star Trek, uh, Star, Trek Star Trek Five: III, the Return of the King. Sucks. Return of the King. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> Again, I wish, and that's coming from someone who doesn't even like Lord of the Rings. Um, I don't like this bit though. We should keep that going. <laughs> okay. Okay. Star Trek. Uh, Star Trek Seven, uh, the uh, the Force Awakens. Two Star Two Trek. <laughs> mm. That's all I got. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think I think we're. I think hey Doug, we're what's this movie about? Oh my gosh! All right, so y'all gotta keep me on time here because I'm gonna ramble. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm gonna it. give you sixty seconds starting now. All right. So. We have this ship called the Reliant. The Reliant meets uh, meets this group of settlers on this planet. They think it's called SETI Alpha 6. It's not SETI Alpha 5, where they meet this guy named Khan Noonien Singh. Khan uh, has a grudge to pick with Captain James Tiberius Kirk, of captain of the Enterprise. Uh, Khan takes over the Reliant, flies to a uh, science base, gets this thing called Genesis. Genesis basically can... Uh, create life from nothing, um, so it can basically geoform an entire planet at and like a snap. Uh, so Khan steals Genesis. Khan meets up with Kirk. They fight. Uh, Kirk is like, "Khan, I hate you." Khan's like, "I hate you." Kirk screams, "Khan!" Um, and then they fight again. Khan quotes Moby Dick, uh, and Kirk gets away, but only after Spock, his trusted first officer, has died. <laughs> oh, also, it? Kirk has a son. Kirk also has a son. I would have mentioned it if it was important. <laughs> that, that was an interesting summary. Yeah. You started yeah, off slow. because I was very much so out of order. Oh, you also started so off out of really order. slow, and then the end. Yeah. 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 
Um, All right, well, let's talk about this. Uh, I don't feel like you can talk about Star Trek without talking about some of the great actors that have come through this, or at least like some of the big names, like uh, obviously William Shatner, uh, Leonard Nimoy, uh, George Takei. Like so many people have come through this and um, come through Star Trek, and I feel like we got some really good performances here, um, especially with Khan. Oh, Ricardo Montalban as Khan Noonien saying, oh my gosh, this man, do you know what it's like when you have a really awesome villain who the minute they walk on screen, you're like, you're like, I shouldn't be rooting for you, but I 100% am. Well, it's really great because like, the first time we see Khan, he's just like delicately taking off his gloves. It's just like, I'm here for this. And and that's the thing is Khan is a villain, but Khan is a man of class. Mm. Khan is a man of dignity. There is an art to eradicating your enemies uh, if you are Khan. Um, oh my gosh, Mercado Montalban just, he owns every single scene he's in in ways that cannot be matched. Like, it's funny to watch someone who not only can outshine one actor, but can outshine an entire crew, an entire cast. And I do think that Khan does that. Oh, absolutely. I thought like, he was by far the, entire the best time. performance in this whole movie. Which mm-hmm. is saying something, because I think um, I'm also a big fan of uh, Leonard Nimoy's performance in this. Because I'm also a big Laren fan ne- of Leonard Nimoy. Rest in peace. Yeah, Leonard Nimoy, oh my gosh. I, I, I love going back and watching any stuff from the original series, because watching Leonard Nimoy just come up with the character of Spock, which a lot of it was his own just choices and his own design. I mean, it's so incredible to watch this amazing actor just work at developing this character who has so so many layers to it. Uh there's an awesome there's an awesome documentary uh that Laren Nimoy made with his son um uh called For the Love of Spock and he just goes into detail about how Every single move he made as the character of Spock was calculated so that he could add more and more uh, just depth to the character. And it's why Spock is such an icon. It's why... Hold on. It's why I have a statue of Spock on my desk. Nice. nice. Um, this is one... Of, okay, that is one thing. Is I have way more Star Wars mem- memorabilia than I do Star Trek memorabilia. Um, but, uh, but no, I mean, watching this man work is amazing. Um, y'all talk for just a second. I've talked for a really long time. Um, I don't feel like I really have anything to add here. Um, but, uh, kind of talking about Spock a little bit, uh, I think Leonard Nimoy's, like, dedication to the role really shines through, like, you can't think of Spock without thinking of Leonard Nimoy. Like, uh, kind of like whenever you think Captain Kirk, you think William Shatner. How do y'all feel like their traits come through, like, their acting? Because, like, I feel like uh, the actors are almost synonymous with the characters themselves. Like, I know, um, Doug, we were talking before the podcast 
there's a thin line between William Shatner and Captain Kirk. Or I guess Admiral Kirk in this movie. Yeah, um, I will say, uh, Elijah, I think you were about to say something. Um, oh, okay. Um, yeah, there is. Because it's too... There's such a strong just uh, difference in the way that they both play their characters. Because you look at someone like uh, someone like Spock, who is so reserved, um, who is so calculated with every single thing that he does, and it comes across in Leonard Nimoy's performance because every move is a decision. There's nothing that's left up to chance. Whereas Kirk, uh, with with uh, with William Shatner, everything is grandiose. It feeds into his hubris. It feeds into his ego. It feeds into the fact that this is the guy who will never give up a captain's chair, not because not because he doesn't think he's meant for bigger and better things, but because that's where he gets to shine. That's where he is in the limelight. Um, and it's it's really amazing watching this sort of like heightened Shakespearean acting that you get from William Shatner and you get this very modern performance from Leonard Nimoy. Uh, it's it's really, really cool to look at because Leonard Nimoy would be very quick to tell you there is a separation between himself and Spock um, because you, you watch interviews with Leonard Nimoy and he's so light, he's so jovial and there's not that much of a difference between Kirk on screen and Shatner off screen. Um, so it's, it's really interesting looking at that kind of dichotomy that you get between the two of them. Um, so, so yeah. So what other roles is Leonard Nimoy known for? Because the only thing I can think of is a movie we've discussed on the podcast, which was Atlantis, the lost empire. Yeah. Um, so (laughs) a lot of it is Star Trek related. Like, not gonna lie, a lot of it is Star Trek related. Um, and that is kind of, it is kind of funny looking at it because where, um, because where William Shatner kind of had a really big career, uh, after Star Trek, Larry Nimoy was kind of always tied to Star Trek. Um, which it's, it's fine, it's just... It, it's it's interesting um so a big thing is that he has a decent sized voice acting career um both in cameos as himself and then also um uh, also in other shows like transformers um he appeared in the 1990s movie or 1980s movie uh and they also appeared in one of the michael bay films right before he died and william shatner and George Takei have also done a lot of voice acting. Yes, they've both done a lot of voice acting. Um, so I know, uh, and then William, William Shatner uh, was ahead. in this off-the-wall Christmas movie that I saw one time where he plays Santa Claus. Okay, yeah. yeah. See, I was going to say, I'm a little more familiar with William Shatner, and it seems like outside of Star Trek, everything he's played in is just a goofball role, and, and mm-hmm. people just kind of like to poke fun at him and he seems to be in on the joke and that's been my impression of William Shatner for most of my life <laughs> yeah I think there's a lot of truth to that um, 
Because, like I said, like he had a very big career after Star mm-hmm. Trek. And I think a lot of that's because, like, he kind of set up this... Part of it was a joke. Part of it was a joke where he was like, I actually don't care about the fans of Star Trek. But I think there was kind of this public opinion that he didn't care about the fans of Star Trek. Laren Nimoy made very clear that he loved everyone who loved Star Trek. Like, this man... Y'all, this is really cool. For as long as he could, uh, while the show was going on, every piece of fan mail that was sent in to Laren Nimoy, mm-hmm. he would personally respond to. Oh, really cool. Like, he put his personal address as an address to reach mm-hmm. him to write fan mail. Like, and... I think that just goes to speak to, like, the level that he went mm-hmm. to, like... To, like, make the fans feel like they were a part of it. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, with uh, William Shatner, what I always think of is that time that he was on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air... And uh, he gets high after going to the dentist, and it's just a whole mess. Yeah. Um, or uh, there's also an SNL bit where, uh, I think this is where a lot of the joke comes from, because an early SNL skit where <clears throat> William Shatner plays himself at a, uh, at a Star Trek convention, and people are, like, grilling him with questions about, like, about, like, you know, like, like what? What do this like the forward nacelle do? Or like how? How is it possible to actually like transport people like on and off the ship in warp? And he just says, "Would would y'all just shut up? Like, are you listening to yourselves? This is a television show. Like, get a life." <laughs> um, yeah, it's 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 really really cool. And I think it's I think it's funny. Uh, another movie that we've talked about before, uh, Galaxy Quest. Which is like a direct parody of Star Trek, because um, you have someone like Jason Nesmith uh, who plays this captain, and his whole thing is that he loves being the captain. Like if he could go back and be the captain again, he would, no questions asked. And I think that a lot of people look at him and they say, "Well, that's a William Shatner character," and I kind of disagree because I think it's more of a Larry Nimoy character. Yeah, I feel like because I think Shatner character is more Alan Rickman's character. I agree. I agree 100%. Yeah, but the um, captain, you know, you got the captain in the right. captain's chair, and then you got the yeah. serious alien, so I guess that's where the yeah. comparisons came yeah. from. Yeah. Um, I, so, yeah like, thinking about it, I think ahead. Alan Rickman would have also been, like, a really good Spock in, like, an alternate timeline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah. we've got all these well-known actors, but, you know, I was... Um, when I was looking at some of the reviews and, and scores for this movie, one of the things that it said people that, that critics didn't like was the acting. Okay. So James Duhan, who plays Scotty, and we love Scotty. Love Scotty to death. Um James Duhan, after this film came out, said like at a press junket, he was like he was like, I think Ricardo Montalban turns in the performance of a career like i think i think he should be awarded with like an academy award for his performance and then james duhan came out a few years later and said you know i said that and then occurred to me that the academy will never give an award for a movie to him for acting to a movie like star trek um 
it's kind of hard to say, but my opinion has always been that the acting has never been the thing that, like, people are going to give Star Trek. Like, it just has this air of... It just has this air of, like, it's Star Trek. Like, why would the acting be great? And I think it really does go back to kind of the cheapness of the TV mm-hmm. show. Um, I mean, I, I feel like you get stuff like Star Trek, Star Wars, superhero things. Like, the kind of things that you're like, oh, yeah, that's never going to get, like, a serious Oscar. That's never going to win Best Picture, yeah. Best Actor, or anything. Um, <clears throat> I don't want to call them niche films, but that's kind of what they are. Like, they have a very specific audience. They are not, like, they can be tailored to a general audience, but a lot of times the people going to see them are just, like, the dedicated fans. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. But no, I mean, like, at least for the main cast, I think the acting is pretty good. Um I would agree. I think also, I think it's worth mentioning, because this movie came out, let's see, the original series, I think, ended in 63-ish? Um, let me, let me see real quick. Um, dang it, where is it? I think it was mid to late 60s, from what I saw. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something like that. I was um, it ran 67 to 69, is what I saw. I think you're right. I think you're right. So, yeah, 69. All right, so this movie came out 13 years after the series had ended. And that's a solid 13 years since... I mean, granted, the major the motion picture came out three years before this. But still, like, 10 years after you've basically hung up a character to come back to it, and turn out a performance that is this good. Because that's another thing, is I do think that the acting is the best in this movie than it is in the entire series. Um, uh, but, I mean, yeah, like, I mean, it's something to be said for the fact that all these actors were able to come back, step into these roles, and turn in the best performances of these characters that we've mm-hmm. seen. So would you say that, like, the acting in the movies is better than in the TV shows? Or the, the TV show. I would say that the acting in this movie is better than the acting um, in every subsequent and previous film and the TV okay. shows. I think after this film, it gets a little mixed. Now, why do you think that is? Do you think it's more of an acting thing, or do you think it's more of a writing thing? I think a little bit of both. I think a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, yeah. a, I, I will say one thing that I liked about this... Uh, you know, I felt like this was a compelling story. Um, like the Mm -hmm. rivalry between, uh, Khan and Kirk. Uh, I will say the one thing that I wish we did get in the movie is a little bit more showing of how Khan and Kirk ended up at each other's throats. I know that there was a, an episode in the original series that they actually meet. Um, but we don't get any of that into the movie. Um, except just taking like half an hour to explain here's all the stuff that happened in that episode yeah yeah I, I, I'm i not going to argue with that and what's what's even better is like he's only in one episode nope. he's he's literally in one episode and then he's gone like never mention again hmm. um, which I mean 
how they set up the movie, that makes sense that he was never mentioned again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it. it is kind of, it is kind of funny. Like, that's something I've always been curious about, is like, why is it that Khan's the one that, like, you went to? Because, like, I don't think that he was... I've seen the episode a couple times. I mean, I don't think it's... It's not bad, it's just... I think that there are better Star Trek, the original series episodes, mm-hmm. than that. But, um... But, yeah, I've always thought that was interesting, the fact that they were just like, yeah, of all the people who we fought in this three seri- in these three seasons of this show, let's pick Khan, who we have not seen... For a very long time, well, it worked out. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Oh, <laughs> worked out in spades. Right. Uh, <clears throat> but I will say uh, there were a couple things in this movie that I didn't really like, or I guess that I don't feel like really work very well. The first one is the death of Spock at the end. It just kind of comes out of nowhere. Like, spoiler alert for a movie that's forty. It's years forty old. years old. If you hadn't seen it, why the heck are you listening to this podcast? Hey, but once again, like I said before, Trekkies, like, you know, hey, if you haven't seen it and you're interested, like, yeah, come absolutely. on, we'll, we'll show um, you the way. But we will show you th- the it's way. It's a film review podcast. Assume spoilers. <laughs> Especially when we're talking about a movie that's 40 years old. Like, anyway. Go ahead. <clears throat> Go ahead. Say your um, Like, I, I was watching, and I'm like, okay, yeah, Spock's gone down to uh, fix the warp speed Thing. The warp core. That, the warp core. That, uh, the only thing that was coming to mind was hyperdrive, and I, that, that's a Star Wars term. Um, but he mm-hmm. goes down to fix the warp core, and it's filled with radiation, and there's this really cool moment between Spock and Bones, where Bones like, you can't do that, you know, no human can survive that, and <clears throat> um, Spock's just like, well, I'm not human, as you like to say. And he uh, does a little Vulcan death grip, and goes in there and does the thing, and you think, oh yeah, you know, he's going to be fine, he's going to be fine. And then he dies. It's just like, wait a second, what? Ship. Out of danger. Yeah. And all of this just to bring him back in the next movie. But they didn't know that. They did not know that. No one knew that at the time. Leonard Nimoy didn't even know that. No one knew... No one knew that he was coming back. I will hold judgment until one day when I watch the third Star Trek to see how he is brought back. But personally... Well, don't do that because it's a terrible (laughs) way. It's so stupid. (laughs) Personally, I am not a big fan of killing off a character just to almost immediately bring them back. I think it's cheap and takes everything out of the death of that character. I mean, I can't argue with you, but I mean, <clears throat> I'm not going to sit here and te- and just take you saying that like that like killing off Spock is like pointless cuz I'm sorry, watching watching Mr. Spock die even the 30 years removed from it that I was when I first watched this movie. That hit me like a ton oh, of bricks. Oh, yeah, no, like, it, it's an incredibly powerful scene, and I, that's what makes me so upset about it. The, like, they have this incredibly powerful scene uh, between Spock and Kirk at the end, and, you know, you think, yeah, this is it, and then it's not. 
I have been and always shall be your friend. I love this movie, good lord. Um, but hey, you want to talk about bringing a character back? Because we talked about this earlier. Um, we talked about this earlier, but there is a movie that attempts to tell, uh, that attempts to hit a lot of the same beats as this movie. Mm-hmm. And that is 2012's uh, Star Trek Into Darkness, again directed by our boy J.J. Oh yeah, that movie where uh, Benedict Cumberbatch totally isn't playing Khan, wink wink, nudge nudge, he's definitely not Khan. That was, that was honestly the funniest thing ever. And that was before I started like hardcore keeping up with movie trivia mm. and stuff like that. But I heard, I heard he was in this movie, I was like, is he playing Khan? Um, like my grandfather and I <laughs> talked about the fact that he was playing Khan, and... And we were like, okay, well, they say he's not playing Khan, but, like, he's 100% playing Khan. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but that's a movie where they do the same thing. They, uh, they have, they don't have Spock die, they have Kirk die. Um, here's and, where you would say uh, spoilers, of, since it's a more recent movie, that this podcast isn't actually about. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Look, Into Darkness is not good. <laughs> it's not a good movie. It's not good. At all. Um... I mean, there are, like, decent performances in it, but it's not good. Um, but, uh, but they kill Kirk, and I kid you not, 15 minutes later, the man is alive. Yeah. 15 minutes. 15 minutes, two years in the 80s. Take your pick. <laughs> Neither? Well, uh... Yeah. I, it's I've seen the movie once and it's been a minute so I don't remember it and um, I, I'm sure I would remember it better if I had already seen The Wrath of Khan first but mm-hmm. what did you think of like Benedict Cumberbatch's version of Khan as opposed to the original? I don't think it's bad. I mean, I think he does his own thing with it. I mean, he's just much more, he's a much more generic villain in Into Darkness. Um, also, he's not the main villain for a large part of it. Um, it suffers from another thing that J.J. Abrams' uh, recent uh, Star Wars movies suffer from, which is doesn't know what it wants to do. Um, so it focuses on a bunch of stuff at once and hopes some things will stick. And nothing winds up sticking. Um, so, I mean, he's he's fine. Like, I mean, he does his thing. I think he and Zachary Quinto, like, have a good fight at the end of it, but, I mean, that's about it. Uh, I will say, yeah. I think one thing that The Wrath of Khan definitely holds over Into Darkness, The Wrath of Khan is a lot more memorable. Because, like, you're saying all these mm-hmm. things about Into Darkness. I haven't seen it since it came out. I don't remember a thing about that movie, except yep. for the Benedict Cumberbatch. Totally is not Khan, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. That's yeah. all I remember. And there is so much of the, and part of that is because I've seen this movie way too many times. But also, like, I'm sorry, when Ricardo Montalban walks on screen as Khan, like instantly you are dialed right. in. It's just like, oh, I'm I'm so here. When he lifts up Chekhov mm-hmm. with one hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it. As he's dying, and he says, with his heart, I stab at thee with hate, uh, for hate's sake, I spit my last breath at 
the. Oh. Yeah. Also, Into Darkness tries to replicate the whole con. Con. Yeah, uh, Scream. Only they have Spock do it. And I'm sorry, Zachary Quinto. You are no William Shatner. Right. I love you, Zachary Quinto. Like but you are no William good Shatner. Good lord, you're anti- you are fantastic. But you are no William Shatner. I will say, I, I think one other thing that I kind of wish we had gotten in this movie is a face-to-face confrontation between Khan and Kirk. Because you don't get that at all. Yeah, it, It's always you know, over the Star Trek version of a Zoom call. Yeah, but I think I like that. I Part think of me likes really it. I think we're really accustomed. Yeah. It's just different. We're really accustomed mm-hmm. to seeing a final face-to-face showdown between the protagonist and the villain, mm-hmm. um, and they don't give us that. Um, they they do have a climactic showdown, but it doesn't have to be. You know those all those war movies where mm-hmm. you're following the hero of the story, and they've got some villain they want to take out, and somehow in the midst of a chaotic battlefield, those two individuals manage to find each other and fight to the death without anybody else interfering. Oh, like That's in uh, Gangs of New York. Uh, is that what happened? At the beginning of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and of course, it's one thing if, like, you've, in Gangs of New York, it was like two groups of, what, 40 guys? Something like that. You, you know, and if you're looking for one guy in 40, that's one thing. But there are, there are like, war movies where there's, like, a thousand guys on the mm. field, and, and somebody manages to find the one they want vengeance on and fight face-to-face to the death. Like, that happens in so many movies. Um, and this one, I think, does it in a way that's a little more believable, which is an odd thing to say about a movie full of spaceships and stuff. But <laughs> I liked it. I thought that was cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say, I, will I think say... it does it well. But, I don't know, part of it just feels like they're in two separate movies. So, so I have two responses to it. You're not going to like either of them. <laughs> I know that. Um, I've been I've been re- reviewing movies with you for almost three years now, over three yeah. years now. Um, and here's what it kind of comes down to. So part of it is uh, shooting schedules. Ricardo Montalban had to shoot his scenes at a different time as everyone else. Um, I think a lot of it is because he was uh, still filming Fantasy Island at the time. Um, so that's one reason. Another reason, contextually. And, again, you wouldn't know this if you didn't see the episode of the TV show. But it is set up, like, in the TV show that no one can beat Khan in hand-to-hand. Like, you have to you have to shoot him. You have to take him out. It, he's kind of like Thanos. Like, you have to take him... You have to snipe him. You have to snipe him at the distance or you have to hit him with something really big in order to take him out. Because he is essentially Star Trek's equivalent of a genetically enhanced super soldier. Um, and, like, he will crush you easily. Uh, and that's something that they kind of ran into in Into Darkness, because Khan is, again, an enhanced super soldier, and every single person who takes him on in hand-to-hand combat gets beaten to submission. Um, so, except for Zachary Quinto for some reason, because apparently Vulcans have weird rage strength. I'm not touching that. But anyway, um, so, like, there is kind of a reason, because... At the end of the day, and I think that's why you get so many scenes of Kirk, like, goading uh, Khan on to, like, come on, fight me man to man. 
is it's not because Kirk thinks he can take him out of fight. It's because Kirk would much rather die facing Khan in single-hand combat than he would have Khan blow up his ship and kill all of his crew. Yeah, it's like a giant battle of the egos. Oh, it's such a battle of the egos. Yeah. I mean, I, I think but, that uh, just goes yeah. to not having the all of the information from that episode in the movie. Like, it, it is a standalone thing, and I respect that. But at the same time, for a more casual fan, it's just... I don't know, you missed part of it, I guess. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're right, but... I don't know. I still think well, it's cool. I mean, no, I like, like I, I enjoy it. I, like, I, for the most part, enjoy their confrontations. Uh, I, I don't know, I, I just could have had a little bit more. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Uh, well, with uh, with all this talk of uh, of me just going on about this movie, and in order to save time, why don't we score this sucker? That phrase. So, if this is your first time listening, we use a pretty simple scale here on setting the skein. It's a one to one hundred. You can kind of think of it like an American grade scale. We do some of the times. Uh, a one hundred means that it is a perfect movie. It has no flaws. A one means that it is in a steaming pile of turds or irredeemable depending on who you ask i've heard it both ways i was about to say so this week we're steaming. i've heard it both ways this week we're steaming so who wants to go first you've said it both ways uh elijah you want to go first okay uh i'm gonna give star trek 2 the wrath of khan a 79 a high c i like this movie but i'm not gonna give it a b because i'm thinking about all the movies that i've given a b recently and uh i definitely took away a lot more from those movies than i did from this one so a high c it is okay Uh, i'm I'm kind of in the same ballpark i'm actually gonna give it a 78 um for a lot of the same reasons like uh, i i think this is a good movie um i i would probably watch it again um, but I don't know that it's necessarily a like a great or amazing movie, if that makes sense. Uh, I think there's some really good performances. Uh, Doug, I know you said that like it was kind of slow paced, but I really didn't get that. Like I I was you know pretty into it. I think I think the only time that it gets really slow. Honestly, is any time that Khan's not on screen. Yeah. Um, I think I think maybe just throughout doing this review, I think I've just figured out that I really just have a man crush on Ricardo Montalban. I mean, that's fair. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's 70. Uh, yeah, all right. Well, uh, you know, I do love the fact that Elijah keeps an eye on like how consistent he is with scores. Uh, and I'll just point out the fact that, uh, as I said with Catch Me If You Can... Uh, every now and then, favoritism just really rears its ugly head and makes me give a score that's way higher that it probably needs to be. But, you know, favoritism. Um, <laughs> uh, this is not my favorite Star Trek movie. My favorite Star Trek movie, I think I would give a 92. This one, I think I'll give a solid 88. Um, I think it's a really good movie. I think the performances are really great. I think looking at, uh, especially coming off of the motion picture which I told Ben beforehand, is unwatchable. It is unwatchable. It's horrible. Um, yeah. Uh. Yeah, 88. Hey, 
I just remembered an interesting piece of trivia that we didn't talk about, um, and I, I didn't even bring it up to put on the list. Um, but this movie contains the first scene in a movie that was all computer generated. Oh. It does. Okay. It does. The uh, the uh, what is it? The, the um, yeah, the uh, the gen- the Genesis like visualization that they do, where it's like this is what happens if we launch Genesis onto a planet. This is what it does. Mm-hmm. That was the first CG uh, thing ever put on film. Yeah, so this <clears throat> is actually a significant piece of cinema history right here. Yeah, well, that was really cool. Yeah, it's also just really good. <laughs> All right. Well, after plugging in our scores into our patented scoreometer. We get a final score of an 81.6 repeating. So it's a pretty solid movie. So basically the year the movie came yeah. out. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Hey, Doug, ask me what we're watching next week. Hey, Ben, I got a question yeah. for you, buddy. What are you watching well, next Doug, week? Well, Doug, I'm glad you asked. Uh, are either of you fans of true crime? I'm fan of comedian. I'm a fan of comedians who are fans of true crime. Oh, well, uh, this is not that. Um, I know. No, instead, we are going to be exploring the life of a young Jeffrey Dahmer as we watch 2017's My Friend Dahmer, starring mm. Disney Channel star Ross Lynch. Disney's own Ross yeah. Lynch. And I am old because I don't know who that is. Neither did I. Um, honestly, I didn't know he was a Disney Channel star until after I saw this for the first time. Oh, also, I've actually seen this movie twice now. Um, so, yeah. So, he basically is your friend, Dom. Yeah, I don't know that I'd say that, but... <clears throat> you sure you don't want to own that? Pretty sure. Um, okay, so so when we so when we post it on Facebook, we'll just be like, uh, this week we interviewed uh, Ben's very good friend, Mr. Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, we're um, not going to do Thanks so much for being on the podcast, Jeff. We are not going to do that. Uh, anyway, uh, if you like what you heard and you want to check out some other Vider Media stuff, uh, check us out on social media at Vider Media. You can also check out all the other cool stuff we do. Uh, we've got new episodes of Setting the Skein every Wednesday and new episodes of Tea with Doug G every Monday night at 9. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, this has been Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. And, uh, yeah, uh, I'm Ben. I'm Doug. I'm Elijah. And this was a horrible ending, but we were setting the skein. And I hope you all have a great week. <laughs>